You're listening to Kraken Fancast. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans. By Seattle Kraken fans. Hello, Kraken fans. Welcome to another edition of Kraken Fancast. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'm here with my colleague, Jim Cockrell, today for some Seattle Kraken hockey talk. Before we start, we want to give big thanks to our sponsor, the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar, when it's open. And <laughs> I don't mean to joke about that. It will reopen. Three pipes. God bless you. Hopefully all the repairs are done soon. Uh, it's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. If you're not going to the Kraken game, catch a game at the Angry Beaver. Like I've said, last few weeks, uh, there was a, a big uh, leak, a pipe burst or something in the place, and... They've been going through a lot of repairs, but I hear there's progress, so hopefully we'll see the beaver up real soon. Uh, let's see. Since our previous episode, there have been three games. We tend to do these every three games or so, give or take, so uh, three games we can talk about. There were two wins, including a dramatic shootout overtime win. Those two wins against two very formidable opponents. Uh, unfortunately, in the middle of all that, they had one hell of a clunker against Minnesota, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, all the games were home games, all at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, yours truly was at, at in person at two of them, Jim uh, at, at one, although he caught parts of the others. So we have plenty to talk about for sure. It all started off with a game against the uh, Pacific Division rival, the Vancouver Canucks. As I said, I was at this game, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it for three reasons. One. I got hooked up with a great club area seat thanks to my buddy Chuck Matsako. So, who had a last minute, he had an extra t- ticket. Sometimes he gives me a call on that, which I really appreciate. So, big cheers to my buddy Chuck for hooking me up with that. Always fun to watch a game with him. And, um, you know, our regular seats, our, our friends had those. So, I, I wasn't really expecting to go. I figured I'd just curl up in front of my TV, but always better to be at the game. So, I was there and it was a fun game to watch. Um, uh, you know, the second reason why I loved it was a crack and win, which we never get enough of. And third, it was a win against Vancouver, which always gives me great satisfaction seeing anyone beat that team. And uh, there's a whole host of reasons that I'll get into it in a little bit, too. But uh, yes, my my Vancouver Canuck hate has has come back. It was waned over the years, past few years. But now I don't know when when that team starts getting better or get, getting really, you know, uh, uh you know, a higher level, man, the fans get really, really more obnoxious. So I don't know. So my, my Vancouver Canuck hate is back to its natural levels. And so this game I really loved because Seattle won it by a very decisive score, five to two, despite a relatively early goal by the Canucks, JT Miller, the Kraken came back before the end of the first period with a goal by Vince Dunn, a real nice one. It was his ninth of the year. Uh, teams traded a couple of early goals in the second period. Jared McCann scoring a power play goal just 21 seconds into that period. That was for his 25th of the season. Sam Lafferty of Vancouver tied it. But after that, Kraken really took control with three more goals, one by Justin Schultz, uh, two by Jordan Eberle, uh, the last one being an empty netter. Philip Grubauer had a solid game, stopping 19 to 21 shots. And Brandon Tanev really kicked the 
crap out of Garland in the little uh, earlier fight they had. Uh, Garland, uh, in my opinion, is not, you know, I, I know I'm a little bit of a homer, but I thought Tanev really embarrassed him on that one. So uh, anyway, so that was uh, interesting to watch. Real nice win, which would bring the Kraken's win streak to three at that point, Jim. So, I mean, they're on a little roll there. Yes, and, you know, I wasn't able to watch much of that game. I would admit I was scouting the Bruins and Calgary Flames game the same night, so I was going back and forth. Uh, I had a vested interest, obviously, in all three teams, technically. Um, and I kept looking, whenever I'd bounce back to that game, I'd go, man, Chris is at a, a beautiful game, right? And I took all the notes, and then I watched it on the condensed game. Uh, and you know what? That's a full green card game. Uh, just, just beauty. I mean, done with the power play blast right out of the box, right? Pretty early. Um, McCann on a nice turnaround in his spot. You know, everybody went to the corner to play the puck and it was an errant pass out from Vancouver and just got a beautiful wrister. Um, Ebbs got it going again and then he got the empty net. I mean, the guys are doing it and, the shots all night were good. The only pushback was in the third. It looked like from Van, uh, some, uh, and that's going to happen, you know. But it, it just seemed really dominant when I was watching it. I thought, wow, man, that's I should. And it's funny, you know. I was going back because we all thought pre uh, crack and hockey history that this was going to be the automatic rivalry, and it took basically, you know, zero and six out of the box against them, and it wasn't much of a rivalry. Then we've turned it around here in the last year and some uh, to four and five. And so it's turning back into a rivalry finally, or what it should be. It never was. But, and, you know, the Garland fight is, and Tanner fight is part of that. Um, so that's good to see. And I'm saying that's the biggest win of the year. I don't know why, but it feels like it. And they needed to win. They're in the desperation points. Um, and, you know, Kraken kind of following that pattern of the big game winning against very strong clubs and then still struggling sometimes with some of the softer clubs. But uh, the first line looked good. They've been looking good ever since they brought them back together. Um, Gru had a good game, like you said, 19 for 21, a 905 save. And on the point, Schultz had a really solid game as well, which is always nice to see him pop up every once in a while. A lot of people like picking on him, but uh, good game. Yeah. Well, the Canucks, you know, like you said, yeah, huge green card game, as you call it. You know, it, it was probably one of their biggest wins because of the playoff desperation. I mean, they've got, I don't have it exactly in front of me, but something like 24 or 23 games left. So right. really, and you've got now, look, fortunately, Arizona's kind of faded away. So now, but it's still six teams vying for those two spots. Every game from here on out is important. Every, particularly every conference or division game which Vancouver is. And then talk about morale booster. I mean, the Canucks are top three, four record team right now. Uh, I mean, they've just been so strong uh, that uh, that's, that's going to give you such a boost. Although it it didn't, maybe it just tired them out because, uh, you know, shortly after the Minnesota wild came to town uh, the following Saturday. And uh, that was, that was a five to two game too. Unfortunately it was on the, you know, the Kraken were on the losing end of that, um, you know, wild coming to Seattle and they've been a fairly inconsistent team all year, kind of, kind of like the Kraken, you know, I don't know which one's going to show up from night to night. Um, but, and they've been right in the mix along with the Kraken for those Western conference wild card card spots. So, you know, I'm Calgary and 
Nashville, St. Louis, LA, you know, crack in the middle of that. So it's, it's, it's been tough. And this was a really important game for them to, to keep on winning on. And it just, you know, Vince Dunn, Hey, he's been, he's been turning around. He had a little, you know, a little, a little less, less than ideal period, you know, in recent games, but you know, he scored uh, once again, an early one, uh, 36 seconds into the game, in fact. Um, uh, but that, that kind of turned out to be the only highlight. Uh, it was all at least scoring wise, all the while from there on out, Ultimately, going to five to two, uh, Jordan Eberle scored his thirteenth goal to make the game seem a little closer. It, interestingly, though, in this this one, uh, the shot count was almost even between the teams, but defensively, lots of lapses. And even we, wow, shockingly, saw Joey Decord get pulled in a game. His first time happened in that in the NHL. They, he got pulled at the four to one mark. Grubauer coming in, but uh, you know he let one in too. Uh, you know, something we wouldn't have expected to happen one, but it happens to all goalies. Uh, just kind of a stinker of the game, um, you know, and uh, we we got only got to watch snippets of it because, Jim, you and I, of course, were speaking of Vancouver. We were up watching the Canucks-Bruins game, and that one was another overtime game. But interesting, both the Bruins, let's see if I remember correctly, well, Bruins and Kraken, Islanders, and I think Kings. Those four teams just have so many more overtime losses than the rest of the league. It's it's kind of interesting to see. And so that kind of played in well in the, in the game we'll talk about in a moment. But anyway, Minnesota, just what, what a letdown that was. Yep. Uh, like you said, we were, I believe we were in the pub at about, oh, I don't know, maybe eight o'clock-ish mm-hmm. up in Vancouver. Watching on our phones or wherever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying, trying to enjoy our post-situation game up there and, and watching on the phone as well. And couldn't believe that, you know, second period, two six minutes and 58 seconds in, it's five to one. And we're writing it off at that point, you know. Um, and, and considering that Dunn opened up the scoring right away, like you said, and then all of a sudden it's like, what, five to one? Oh, boy, forget this one. Um, you know, I, there's not much to report about. There is to report about, uh, I don't know if you want to go into this now, but maybe later about, you know, potential, the Joey situation there, it was a soft game for him, obviously. Uh, you know, f- five of seven shots, 22 minutes played, 22.09, and a 6.92. I mean, obviously, you're going to get yarded just for change it up. Um, I mean, the shots were even, and we were running on the hits at 27. So they just, obviously, you know, Minnesota was dicta- dictating the game, and, and we were running around, and, and it just could never rebound, you know? So, yeah. It happens, you know. Um, so you know, you know that. So that was really disappointing to see. You know, getting on a run, and again, like I said, every game is important. Um, uh, but you know, all they could do is hope to bounce back and uh, argue. You know, against a really tough team, the Boston Bruins, one of the other top teams of, of the NHL, and uh, yours truly, and Jim here. You know, we have a little conundrum on the game because we're also Bruins fans, but. And it was a lot of Bruins fans in the in the uh, arena. It was, it was nice, nice vibe though. I mean, I gotta say, I, I don't want to harp on it too much, but you know, being a Bruins fan going up to Vancouver, uh, man, I mean the the fuck Bruins, fuck Boston chants and all the kneeling I was getting. I, I guess you saw, you said you saw less of that, but I, I don't know where places I was going, it, it was getting borderline nasty, or actually even nasty, and. Uh, 
you know, Seattle maybe doesn't have is, you know, the, the history or whatever, or there's no, certainly no rivalry between Seattle and Boston. It's not, you know, I mean, the 2011 Stanley Cup, uh, you know, Vancouver, a lot of Vancouver fans still cannot get over that. So Seattle fans don't have that. So it was kind of a fun vibe. I thought, you know, maybe there's a little, you know, playful ribbing. It was, it was just, just, just good, good NHL fans. Good, good, good vibe there. And an epic game. Third time when Boston comes to Seattle, a fantastic game. First one was overtime. Last year, almost went in overtime. Jake DeBrest got a late goal. And then this one not only went overtime, it went, it was a shootout. And so you have two <laughs> teams that struggle on shootouts. Uh, and uh, it was funny to see the Kraken win that one, thanks to Kylo Yamamoto. Uh, just to back up a little bit, though, is, uh, you know, the, the, it was a lot of back, back and forth. Um, you know, final score was four to three. Uh, Everly, Dunn, and Bjorkstrand were, were got the uh, regulation time goals. And, uh, and 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 also on the other side, besides seeing an epic battle between the teams, it seemed that maybe, perhaps we saw a rare hat trick by Bruins David Pasternak. But oh no, that third goal got credited to Charlie Coyle. So uh, some people threw their hats on the ice a bit prematurely, I guess. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, anyway, it was. Uh, Back and forth, and then they, you know, and Yam Yam's got that, you know, early goal in the shootout, and and nobody, you know, could couldn't really come back on that. I mean, uh, Philip Grubauer played, you know, one of his best games, and um, you know, there you go. It was uh, another another little ego boost for Seattle, which they they really needed, and um, you know, uh, two two out of the three weren't weren't bad. Yeah. Oh boy, what a game that was. I mean take away the details and just talk about uh pregame and amping and building uh the parties that we were involved in you know uh, and just this is our game for the year this is the draw we want to see right chris mm -hmm. um yeah super fun i mean i all i could think was you know even though there's some things that happened in that game that i don't want to get into because i could just expand for an hour on that shit all we'll right. Talk about the ref stuff. Okay. No, no, no. You know me. I'm. It's, I rarely, rarely get down on refing shit. And I usually tell people to shut up. But this one had that call, and I don't want to get into that. If you want to talk to me on this side, and there, I'll be and glad there were, and there were actually up. a couple. The one, the one that was very controversial. I, I, I'll just say for those who missed it, there was a, a goalie interference call. It took them a long time to figure out. Uh, I got to say, uh, props to the uh, Kraken video guys uh, putting up the Cookie Monster, waiting for the uh, oh yeah yeah the, I love waiting that. for the decision. That was a long one, so obviously it wasn't you know I could see arguably you know either way, but I you know you know how I felt about it. I felt very similar to you, but there were some other cross checking calls. There there were there were there were a couple of other ticky tack calls I thought on there and uh, oh yeah. yeah there was some there was some makeup calls. It's just the whole nine, the whole structure was just stunk. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, we're here to do reporting on the Kraken and that's what we're going to do. Um, so, you know, and start right away, Pasta getting that goal, 700 points, uh, already in his career, kind of, yeah. kind of mind boggling almost. And then wouldn't you know what the answer back for us was the Ebbs deflection from the Olmark assist, uh, the, 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 the wacky <laughs> whack job, clearing yeah. job that went right into, I think it hit him right on the. The, the the iPad yeah. and Bango. Yeah, Swayman's been playing more lately, right? So uh, you know, Lena seemed a little uh, a little rusty there. I mean, he made some good. So both both goalies made some great saves, but uh, and there was, we were hearing a lot of uh, 
pings. I mean, Kraken easily could have had oh. more goals. I mean, they must have hit the post at least three times. And same with Bruins. They were just yeah. rifling it off the iron. Anyway. Yeah, great game either way. I yes. Mean, the Kraken fans were like, you know, the Bruins like, wow, that was a great game. I mean, everything. Yeah, I mean, and I kept thinking that my seat partner in front of me, who's a Kraken guy, and by, by the way, I showed up in my other stuff, and he about lost it. Um, he kept turning around and fist pumping me. You know, we were playing the back and forth game, you know, fan to fan, but he kept fist, fist pumping me, and he said, you know what, this is one hell of a game. And I said, it is. And I kept thinking, you know, from a fan perspective, even if you just happened to go to the, your very first NHL game and be there, that that would have been just mind blowing. Like, what I hope there was I... a lot of first timers there. Probably not. Yeah, probably, yeah, probably not. Was, you know. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the bees always turn out well. It seems like it's getting better and better every year. If you just look around, it's sprinkled. It's like one third for sure. Um, and it, the warm ups and is crazy. And it's just a fun spirit, like you said. Um, but yeah, the back and forth and done, you know what? That was his third goal in a row game in a row. Yeah. And he, I, we brought this up once before he has the uncanny ability to get that shot off. It's usually a slapper to get that shot off in traffic, find the seam and, and it doesn't hit anybody or anything. It's weird how much, how often that happens with him. He lots of clean shots. Um, and then the, uh, the Bjorkstrand goal was really nice because he was dry, super dry mm. and got back. That whole third line has been dry. And that's part of what happened that game on the roster. They flipped line two and three Burakoski and Bjorkstrand slipped wings. And that was all intent. And actually even said it to light a fire on these guys, get them going. And it may have worked because, you know, Bjorkstrand still playing, I mean, uh, Burakovsky's still playing great hockey, even though his point production is down. He's involved. It's going to come. And, and then they were able to light it up with Bjorkstrand. Um, and that shootout goal by Yams, uh, w w you know what? He was in the shootout earlier this year. He had a very similar goal to that. Yeah. Come down slow, swing really wide right. Then he kind of laterals across, and he's looking at the net the whole time, and he's just looking at that pocket, and it, he, it's against the grain, and he goes top shelf. And I thought, man, that, he's got that down. And that's part of that shooting percentage we were talking about last episode in the, in the 16 range. So that's why he got picked, and that's why he'll probably always get picked in the top three. Yeah. In fact, the guy next to me goes, Yams, what's he doing? I go, it's not a bad pick. Let, yeah, I'm glad you just confirmed my suspicion because I remember that game early. I, you know, he's been he, yeah, that that shootout. I forget who they were playing, but I remember that he won won that game. I think for them, and he's really good. Yeah, at, you know, you, almost, your, your high your high scorers aren't necessarily your guys who are going to do well at a shootout. Interestingly, uh, case in point, let's look at the other team, Pasta. <laughs> all day, all game long, he'll he'll light him up. But come shootouts, I'm telling you, man, even our own fan base will say it's just a lazy attempts a lot of times. It's weird. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I just also want to say very dominant, you know, obviously in the third again. I mean, they were owning it. The Kraken were. Um, you could feel it coming, couldn't you, Chris? Like, Mm. You, you knew they were going to come back no matter what, just the lay of the game, you know, whether it was the penalty or killing off the five on three, coming back for the Bruins type of thing. It didn't feel good if you were a Bruins guy. And in my, my seat never said the same thing. He said, you can feel it. Can't you? I said, of course I can feel it. You yeah. know? Oh, you're it, like this. No, I was feeling this is going to go overtime. And even, yeah. if, even if it, it got flipped around the other way and, you know, 
and and you know uh, Seattle or Boston or whoever had to come back. You just you just felt it was going to be overtime. Yeah, and interesting side note too we haven't even brought up is was the return of Morgan Geeky. Yes, let's Bruin, talk it. Coming back, and I love the you know the Kraken you know do side classy thing they did that for you know Sprong and and Donato you know coming back and doing a little tribute there, welcome back kind of thing. And uh, interestingly, Geek, Geeks was the one on that uh, goal interference. That would have would have been a hell, you know interesting goal, yeah. hell of a goal. But I mean, and then he got a hurt for a little bit, but he, he came back in. So yeah, he I mean, took he was, a shot, and Kirk shot off the face or something. Probably off the side, yes. But yeah. I think he came back. I mean, so I mean, he had you know he was front and center. He was effective. Yeah, he's any way you look at a more effective player, arguably with the, you know with the Bruins than he was with Kraken, and you know good for him. But it was not you know that was another little storyline too of. Uh, it was interesting that actually right in front of where I'll, so where I was sitting uh over that because that game I was sitting over in section eleven with our, our friends uh Jess and Mike and um there was a woman with a, a Bruins geeky jersey. Oh really? Yeah, I thought that I would oh, make good for that one. Good for her. Yeah. Well, you know, it's and uh remember the very start of the year before anything when the trade happened and everything, or when he UFA'd out and went there and uh got picked up in uh and you were you were ribbing me because you know how I've been the last two years, and I'll admit it. And I've had one on ones with Geeky online, and da, 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 but um, he, you know, he's in a system that works for him, and that's it's not hard to break away from a hack system and work for anybody, to be honest with you. Um, and we had that little. It wasn't even a wager. It was um, Nathan said, "Look, I'm I'm gonna if he if he has a career year or point production over." last year's crack and i'm gonna buy you a geeky jersey and i said i said something like well as long as it's an official jersey and not some chinese bootleg crap for one and then i said and then i said um but we need to come up with a a number which is worthy of you know career high because i'm not going to take one point better than last year Significantly. So I, yeah i said something like you know 15 20 i don't know something like that well, right now, I don't know what his numbers I don't know if he got a point last night, but he was one point below last year's. I think it was 27 going in, and last year he had a total of 28. So with 20-something games left. Yeah. So yeah. there is a you chance. Right here, buddy. There, eh, I don't know. Um, but I will admit, I've watched plenty of Bruins games, and I do like um, what he's doing in a third-line third capacity for the most part. He's kind of bounced all over the lineage. But it's mostly third. And I do like his capacity, how he's used. And he fits that system better. It's, it's, a, it's a much better system for him to fit in. Uh, and he looks happy. Every time I see the interviews, he seems happy. I mean, how can you not be on that original six franchise for crying out loud? Oh, um, and, and one that's in the, you know, one of the top teams in the conference. I mean, they're de they're definitely in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and you're that electric you know, you know, a fandom in Boston, a TD garden and all. And, uh, you know, you do well there, you, you know, you're going to be well loved. So, uh, right. I mean, he, he said the right thing, you know, I've said, you know, he was tight or it probably still is tight with a lot of the Kraken players and of course nighttime here. And obviously, and one could say, I mean, you know, it's just been a nice trajectory for him. I mean, he certainly had more going for him in Seattle than he did with, he was what Carolina before or New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. It was part of the expansion. Through so, Carolina. I mean, you know, he's, each each time it's been it's been a little more from I mean Hackstall and crew you know certainly gave him more opportunity to, and and he certainly grew as a player and yeah. uh, you know and it's getting to grow more and you're right it's just it's just a good fit so good for him I, I always like he always had that 
or still has, I'm sure, that dry sense of humor kind of guy, oh, yeah. like kind of a cool character. And uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's why he was so liked, right? It wasn't about the numbers; it was about that. That was solely it, and that's just the way it is sometimes when you have a fan base that connects with you. A um, couple other points I wanted to get out about that yeah. game. Drew ran a 29 out of 32 for a 906. It was totally acceptable in that win. Played well. He played some big, big saves, actually. Yeah, two game, um, great games in a row from him. Yeah, yeah. Just playing solid. And I want to get, we'll get into that on the next bit here. Um, and then the only other stat that, that popped out was it was one of our worst face-off games. And we haven't talked much about face-off because we know where the reality of that is with us. And it doesn't seem to matter with this club as far as overall. And then we were hanging only at a 39.7%. Uh, and Boston was just killing it at a 63. And Boston's got a reputation. Of, that's their MO. You know, whether whether Bergie and or Krejci's gone, they they always seem to do it with other guys that come in, like Charlie Coyle or uh, Zaka. You know, that's just part of their thing. Interesting thing. And, I, and I'll just use the Bruins as an example. I can point to other teams too. But um, just sort of the one thing that I, I noticed, I mean, this was way more noticeable the first year, first season. Those guys are all playing together for the first time. So getting chemistry takes a while. And and they certainly last season and this season, they're, they're, they're a decent team. But there's still some of those teams, and I'll use Bruins as an example, that just the fluidity of the passing, of the puck movement. It just, you know... It, I don't know. Krakens just seem like okay. They're throwing it up, dumping it up, whatever. I don't know. Just the, it, it. I don't know. Some some teams. I don't know. Maybe maybe Toronto. I'm trying to think of some. <laughs> you know, Vancouver a little bit. I mean, they just seem like so second nature. Like just the um, the chemistry of moving the puck around. It, it just seems noticeably better on some teams than than Seattle. I mean, although Seattle, that doesn't mean they're going to beat Seattle. Seattle grinds their, some wins out no matter how, but. Man, watching Boston, you know, in, uh, that close, I'm like, wow, they just, just, they just, they just know where each other's going to be at every second. It feels like. Yes, yes, and no. I mean, I think right now they're in a bit of a lull, streaky with his six straight OTs, um, and, and that's a, that third period up in Vancouver was brutal. I mean, that was some sloppy hockey straight up. Um, and they had their moments in this last game too, but. You're, I know what you're saying, and, and yes, you're right, and that's part of his system and design, um, but it all ultimately has to do with talent pool, you know, on the roster and how well it meshes up, uh, even though they've, you know, on paper, the Bruins going in this year, I had them a bubble team, come on. Oh, me, uh, oh, Mon me as well. Mon I, it's Montgomery in a row they've shocked me. And that's a Montgomery thing. It, 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 it He pulls it out of his guys, but here's also another Montgomery thing. Six OTs in a row, 60 minutes, guys. You know, you, you're not going to throw that back on the player. They're doing what they can. You, you'll know when a guy's slumping, for instance, and you can go ahead and rail. But that's that's something that Montgomery has to work out and figure out real quick here because it is a third-period pattern, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And and there are a lot of games where, you know, Kraken haven't. You know, we've talked about this in the past, too. They're, not play, they're playing a great 40 minutes. But the first period or the third period seems like they, you know, earlier in the season they'd sort of take right. off. So I'm, we're not seeing it quite as much lately, fortunately. But you know, there was there was a lot of that, you know. So it's well, the yeah. full full sixty boys, you know. And they've got they've got you know they've got some tough ones coming up. And two more home games uh, coming up soon. Uh, one uh, that's uh, happening shortly after a recording here with Pittsburgh. Um, we weren't great, but you know, still certainly it could be a tough opponent. Uh, that's uh, that's happening on the Thursday, and then they got a Saturday early game with Edmonton. Always tough. Edmonton still looking great. 
then on the two road games in Canada, first in Calgary, and then over to Winnipeg. Uh, conference games, all really important. Um, or three of the four are. So uh, it can easily be, easily be said that every game from here on out is important for the Kraken as they are on the outside looking in for a playoff spot. Currently, as, as, this, as of this recording, they are five points behind the Nashville Predators for that last spot. So two, you know, two and a half games, essentially. So certainly mathematically in there, there's still plenty of games. They could go on a run and maybe L.A. and Nashville could start to fade a little bit. A lot can happen, but geez, it's just uh, it, it's tough to feel a lot of confidence on it, you know. And we talked about that with John Barr and others, but you know, there's a lot of hockey left, but not not as much as you know a month ago. You know, they they really got to turn it on. Um, so yeah, but you know, playoff chances though, uh, I, I guess you know, these wins and and Arizona fading kind of give give them a a little bit better chance than say two weeks ago. Yeah, I I. Don't even want to talk about Arizona, but they're not even a problem with us. I don't even want to get them in the equation. What I do want to talk about is Calgary won again tonight. They, between Calgary and Minnesota, are their last 10 are doing great. Best in the whole Pacific, actually, right now, along with L.A. So they're doing what they're supposed to do, and we're not, if we want to get serious about this, right? So... It's very frustrating. I was watching the LA Calgary game just before we hit this. And uh yeah, I mean there it 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 doesn't that there's teams that want it more than us right now and they they're they're digging for it. So yeah, it's it kind of tough. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's just a bummer because we we were talking about this earlier, Chris. This Kraken team, if you were playing them, they all, all will tell you that Kraken are an extremely hard team to play against. Right? So, but when they're all on the same page as the Kraken, then they're really tough to play against. And you probably pull a win against the big clubs like Boston, like Vancouver. We have a, a record of beating all the big, strong clubs. And then we, I don't know what it is, the play down or whatever to the smaller clubs. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to harp on that. I'm just watching every game. Um, yeah, and, but it's like, but those teams are all doing, I'm even looking in the central too. I mean, just, just looking at the whole wild card. I mean, yeah. Nashville's won five in a row. Yeah. Uh, they were on a little bit of a slide, but you know, they, they bounced back from that. I mean, LA, they lost the other night, but they're, you know, they're seven, they've won seven out of the last 10. Yeah. St. Louis blues and the crack. And I mean, they're not, you know, fading, but they're just like these, they're, they're playing 500 hockey. Ball ball. That's it. That's it. They're playing um, 500 hockey. hockey. You know, meanwhile, Minnesota, you know, fix their ship to, because they were starting to fade for a while. Then totally. You know, I, I've said, eh, not too, not too afraid of that Calgary team. Well, I always yeah, was got to be because they won last three, four, whatever. And it's just, uh, they're, they're playing the arguably their best hockey of the season. So late, late. Yeah. I have actually worried about Calgary all year long. Even yeah, in, I thought you yes, were. during their shitty slumps, I was worried about them because I knew they'd turn it around because that fan base won't settle for that load of shit. Yeah, I felt that way about the Oilers. Obviously, it's so much for having, you know, and people have panic attacks at the beginning of the season. I mean, the Oilers, the yeah. uh, 70 points. So they, no, they I just a little back down to earth. But I, I, in terms of the Calgary thing, I've only been concerned about them around us. That's it. Because I knew. I knew we were a bubble. I knew they were a bubble, but I knew they would. That's what got me worried. Like they might be the difference deal and we fly, fall below that. That's what I was always worried about. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and they, you know, they got, you know, Cal- Calgary, you know, that's the mon- Monday, March 4th game. Yep. Huge, huge, a lot, you know, and they got two, two in a row against Winnipeg. Yeah. I mean, look at that schedule, you know, even, Vegas, even... Ca- capitals, Na- that Nashville, Jeez, that's home. I mean, but... that capitals game is about your only positive in there. It looks the Buffalo I, and Sabres. I'm oh, yeah. looking at all of March here. Sabres, and then that winnable Arizona's could be winnable that, you know, Montreal, they're not through that. They you, get, you, you get two toward the end there. You got two against Anaheim. Yeah, I know. And, uh, and well, Dallas and Dallas, you know, they're, um, now forget that. Yeah. That's the one that I wouldn't worry about too, but, but that's, no, you know, I mean, it's, um, but know, you brought up Pittsburgh coming up here. I'm going to that game and you know, you would think, okay, Pittsburgh's really had a yeah, Jekyll Hyde thing. Right. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, they can easily Sydney can say, get on my back boys. Let's win this shit. And that's what happens, right? Yeah, I mean, just because here's the thing: just because you're, you're, I mean, they're in a actually they're they're in a probably arguably worse shape actually in the yeah. Harper. They're they're likely not making the playoffs at all. Exactly. Uh, but you know, they still have some pride. They still have some tough. Absolutely. Um, you know, they've got a looking at that. They've won their last two. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, any given day, man, you know, and I know. Oh, wow. You know, the Kraken beat Vancouver and Boston, but you know, we, we, you know, they could, you know, like lose to San Jose the next week. It's just, you know, you got to win the games. You really got to, you're supposed to win and then try to steal a few along the way on some of the good teams. Then, then, then you're a playoff team. And, and put a string of more than one or two wins together in the first quarter of the year, you know, or first third or whatever. And absolutely, yeah. And th- for those of you listening, you know, go to a lot of games. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it's great. You know, to hear just there's still so much electricity in that building and it's crowd. You know, when when they won the overtime game and the Vancouver game, I mean, just you know, the crowd's really loud just for these regular season games, and which is great to see. But uh, for those of you who don't go often, you may have some little opportunities though soon. We, we're noticing on the resale. I mean the 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 arena seems you know pretty full so certainly with the original six teams, but um, last minute tickets you can get some deals, folks. It's you know people are the the demand isn't you know maybe maybe some people are getting off the bus not thinking this team's making the playoffs. I guess. Yeah, I was you know I I do that anyway. Uh, even though I'm going to a lot of games uh, by default, and then some that I want to pick up here and there, but I do check. Prices periodically, usually, you know, three, four days in advance just to see where they're hanging. And, you know, remember where you go back about three weeks there for a while, for like three to six weeks, we were hanging it three points out of the wild card forever. That three would not move. And I started to see a dip in uh, resale. And I usually gauge by the lower bowl, by the way. It's just the easiest way yeah, to do it. That makes sense. And um, I noticed a dip. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, here we are. There might be some people falling off a bit here, realizing, okay, the reality of of making the playoffs is dropping hard. And just recently in the last, oh, going back to the homestand since the all-star break, you know, I started noticing another drop and here we go. Now we're bouncing between that five and seven point below wild card. So it's, it's reflecting. It's that fickle reflection of, oh God. You know, and so you're, you know, you were able to get into that lower bowl uh, fairly, I don't want to say early, like by two days, but definitely in the last day 
for a hundred bucks against the Boston Bruins and original six club. And that's unheard of here. I know we only have a three year history, but those first two years you were going above face, no matter what the COVID year well, opening the first half of the first year you were, but then they were kind of out of it. We, we were get you and I were getting some good deals toward the end of that first year. But... No, I'm talking about the, like the Bruins specifically. Oh, oh okay. Those the, first two years you were, you were playing game. 20% above. Yes. Okay. And to get into that lower bowl for a hundred, a C note yeah. against the Bruins, that, that's just, you know, and obviously when that's happening, you're it for the most part, bringing more Bruins fans in or visiting team fans in, right? Uh, Cause they want to get there. And that's just not, that's not a good sign right now uh, for the club when, the, you know, they can see that. Uh, and and they, believe me, they see it and they talk about it. Uh, and when you're seven points out, you got to make it happen, man. And here comes the trade deadline, Chris. Again, we talked about it three weeks now. At least, you know, something. Who knows what's going to get done? I did see a really cool article today on the NHL Kraken segment side, written by Allison Lucan, which is a great piece uh, with an interview talking to Ricky Olchek, our assistant GM, uh, brother of Eddie. And it was you know, great interview on her in the process of deadline uh, roster management uh, and incorporated a lot of the CBA uh, language that he has to deal with. You know, he's basically an attorney and he's a sports guy and he used to play. So he's the ultimate package for that position. And when you break it down, he's the guy doing most, you know, uh, he's the guy doing most of the work when it comes right down to what needs to get done. You know, he, he gets the orders from the big guy and, uh, Big guy know what he wants. And then here comes Eddie and crunches the numbers or not Eddie, but Ricky and crunches the numbers and looks at the legal process. And he's a busy man and he's been busy for the last 30 days for sure. Great article. I highly recommend reading it. Job well done by Allison on that one for sure. Um, yeah. So you're good. Yeah. And other than that, you know, swinging into uh play last week, we did a hot and cold section on players. Yeah. Um, not really. Now I kind of am doing that again. Let's talk about the goaltending because I feel like, and tell me if you are too, because I've had this conversation with some people. I feel like we're almost, I don't want to say at the changing of the guard, I want to say, all right, Joey stood on his head. He still can do it, obviously. But I feel like everything's calmed down a bit. And you know he's not going to run it through the whole year. It's just, it's too much anyway. And I feel like, you know, Gru's comeback, it's been slow. It's been methodically planned out by the staff, and he's looking really good. All we can say right now is we've got some two good-looking tenders doing their job really well, something we've never had, Chris. We talked about this last week. And then all we can hope for is a little more scoring bump on that goals per 60 minutes per game, and things are fine. Unfortunately, it looks a little late with numbers as far as standings, but it's not dead uh for instance so you know i can only go back a couple games with joey because if you go back five he's fine his numbers even though there's some losses attached to those but his last two games yeah, even he though, keep the team in the games i mean i've often yeah. said that if it weren't for him and those yeah. games that group gets in when he's playing i mean they they'd be they'd be near in the near the cellar with anna totally those yeah. games, otherwise so i mean the goalies have really kept them in the game and at the beginning of the season 
you know, I think a lot of pundits and probably us too, we were thinking, well, what's the weak point of this team? It's like, oh, but right. you don't know which goalie's going to show up from night to night. Yep. But I mean, you know, he got pulled on that one after a little over Happens a period. Happens to them all. Yeah, I know. He got pulled. It was a 692. He's gone. I looked at the highlights on those. I don't know if you'd get to. And I did. I did. I mean, look, it was a little. What, what, did it seem super soft? Yeah, I more of a uh, uh, more of a hack stall. I need to change something here. Mm, I think it's a little bold because positionally, I could even read it in his demeanor after the third and fourth goal. Fourth goal, he had kind of the shrug, like like is I just not have it tonight, right? I could see it. Uh, a little positionally stuff, maybe down on his knees a little longer than he would normally be, type of deal. But it made sense to yard. It, it just happened. I mean, he paid a little over a period, and he was six ninety two. The game before was an eight seventy five. So a little bit of normalizing there, you know, coming back to earth. And then grew in his last three or four, pardon me, is three zero and one nine zero six. And then he came in relief on that Joey pole at a nine forty four and saved eighteen. And then a 9.05, and then a 9.63 going back to uh, February 13th. So he's looking, you know, really nice on that slow comeback. But now he's ready to go. And I feel like we're in a normal pattern now. Like, you run who's ever hot, two, three games, I'll bring him down. So I feel like it's a true 2-1A, 1B, not, you know, not a 1 and a 2. It's really good position to be in, but I feel like everything's normalizing, you know, because Joey was just standing on his head. That can only, you know, that can only go, I don't care who you are, what goaltender in the league and who you're playing for. You can't, you know, you're not Ken Dryden and it's not 1970 freaking one, right? Well, in fact, you know, and, you know, maybe we saw a little, I guess maybe one goalie, we saw that a little of that was Vasilevsky from Tampa, but I mean, I, you know, I'm going back, not this year, but, you know, in some recent years, but even he, you know, there are going to be some bad games, just like a pitcher in baseball. No, yeah. They're not going to have it and they need a little rest. And so your, your other guys got to be ready to step in and, uh, you know, yeah, gone are the days where, you know, it's funny. I look at old stats of, oh, if we really got, never, never mind. You know, the guys, you know, Ken Dryden, you want to go old, old school. Well, I did. Didn't it was I? like, there was like, I was looking at some old, you know, I love you geeking out at uh, hockey DB sometimes and going to these old players. All I remember. And it's like some guy, I can't remember who I was looking up, but it's, you know, he was playing with Terry Sawchuk. Like Terry oh, yeah. Sawchuk, I don't forget who it was when he was, Terry was Detroit. I don't know yet which team he was with, but I think it was Detroit. He yeah, played like least. every game or every game but two or something. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, then again, they played, what was it? Was it 62 games, 68? Yeah, I can't remember. A season, that's true. Yeah, but still, no, still, they stood still on their amazing. Head. <laughs> yeah, they stood on their head, you know, and he was using that one millimeter thick um, mask that oh, looked like right. paper mache. Oh, uh, if he had a mask at all. And then how yeah. about the thing? I mean, all, all the equipment, you, when you see Travis Demko practically c- covering the whole dang goal, and I'm thinking, you know, all these other oh, yeah. things. Oh, yeah, don't get me going here, Chris. He's having to go all over the place. Don't get me going on this, Chris. <laughs> no, because when you were talking Demko and, and equipment the size of Texas, I started thinking about exactly who you went to next, Eddie Jockman. So, like, when you look at pitchers going back to, like, 1970, yeah. and Jockman, you know, in the net, six-by-four net, he was a smaller man to begin with. And, you know, the chest and arm combos back then were nothing. They, you oh, know, yeah, no, they no. were... They were little Dacron filled freaking cloth thingies. And he would have his jersey on. And of course, it would look tight. And the pants were normal pants. They went goaltending pants. And the leather pads weighed 400 pounds and they went up just above the kneecaps. 
and uh, you know that he looks small and skinny, and all the holes are big between the arms. Everything is it's like look at all the holes I can shoot in this net, right? Incredible agility he had. Yeah, and I sit there and I go, and guys like Bobby Hull were firing biscuits, vulcanized rubber at five and a half ounce frozen rubber, a hundred miles an hour at him, and so one. I hear about modern tenders crying and whining about when they had the rule change about reducing the exercise of the equipment, one inch on the uh, pads and this and that, and the jerseys have to be smaller so they don't flap in the wind and catch the puck. I thought, you know what? You'd be quiet guys. These, these, you got so much equipment and please don't dive in the crease when a guy goes by and barely touches you with all that equipment. on. Okay. I'm done roasting on the goalies. That's all right. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, it's just, well, to me, it's notice. I mean, look, there's the ways around it, but then you just have those big guys. I don't even remember if Demko is really the biggest guy, but he just looks. He's big, he, but he's not. He, he's not the biggest one, but he's. Right. But I just look, well, maybe whatever. He just, I'm just like, how the hell are you going to get around this guy? But he's, he ain't moving as fast as the Eddie Jacquemans or, you know. The- All positionally trained and sound, you know, to be in the right position to make most of the saves. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like Allison always used to say. Why don't they just hire like a sumo guy to just sit in the net and and never move? And I, she's got a point in a way. <laughs> yeah, just stand there. Yeah, or that. Well, there was that. There was that a, ad. I forget what it was. Geico or something. I don't know. Yes, yes. Commercial with the wall. I love it. Yeah. yeah and he's throwing the he's throwing the fish out to him in between. Oh yeah. man, I love it. That's so great. Oh uh, yeah. So <laughs> you know that was that was a little that was a little wink to some of the hockey. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Enough um, roast. Besides that. And, we were talking a little bit about uh, guys who are quite hot and cold. Yes. I mean, gosh, Yanni. Yeah, yeah. So we were part of the hot and cold last week, but I, I did some more dissecting because now another week's gone by. Um, it was nice uh, to see, you know, Bjorky get that goal because he yeah. was dry. He had one one goal in nine. Um, he needed it. We all talked. That whole third line, as we know. Um, Burakovsky, like we said, uh, Burakovsky's, is still playing great hockey. He's skating much better, but he's still down, but he's involved in play. It'll come around. We know that. Um, and by the way, he took that hit in overtime. I'm, they say everything's fine, but I still want to watch that because we know his past history with injuries. So, so I'm going to keep tabs on that. Um, at Tolvi, one in nine, that's pretty dry for him. Uh, now here's the, the big one though. Even though this guy's heart and game is all over the place and incredible, you know, the four check, the, this, the, that, the leader, Gord 16 games without a goal, but he has, I believe it five or six assists in that run, but still that's not Gord. Like even though Gord's not, you know, a, a goal scoring guy like that, it's still, that's a long run. Now we all know Karche continues to be scratched in and out. Um, he's one in 12, you know, uh, guys like him need to snipe it up here. So that's one of the reasons he's getting scratched. Um, Part of the and we already talked about the flip between line two and three between Bjorkstrand and uh, Berkey. So that I have a feeling that experiment's going to go for a while because when you think about it, that third line was the longest running line that has never been broken up unless it was due to injury. And this goes back to last year. That was the go-to solid, consistent line. So now there's a flip. I have a feeling they're going to hang on that for a while to continue this fire lighting for production. Um. That's about oh uh, and, yeah Tatar uh, Thomas Tatar is one and eleven and as you know he was when he came here he was fairly consistent on that yes he has dropped from the first line to the fourth uh, almost in a utility role 
but like uh, they were saying the other day, you know, this is in that in that interview process, uh, uh, that, or actually today I was reading, this is the first time I believe it's been run for three games now where we have our healthy roster. And that's why we're at where we're at as far as Tatar down on four and everything else normal. Are you going to see Bellamar again, or is he got Yeah, I don't know. You know, right now he's like the seven scratch guy, right? You know, he's the him and Riker upstairs type of deal. Um, that's a good point. You, you know, we'll see. Really right? hurt there, but it's been a while. I was starting to think we'd see him sometime in February, March. I thought. Yeah, I think you know it probably has everything to do with line match. So take take the face off equation out of it. Probably has everything to do with line match between what's going on uh, with Yam stepping in. You know that's why they're utilizing him. It seems uh, him and the, the 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 you know you got him and then Karche seem to be the the key tweaks between scratches. Um, so if one of those guys, if two, they move around, they may, they might finally bring him in. We'll see. But if, if it seems to be working on line match, then they'll go what they got right now. Um, and other than that, that's about it. Some, just that third line new needs to get snappy here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. those are some, those guys were producing and it's not really happening, even though they got the four check cycling and all that beautiful stuff. And, Neutral zone, shut down, whatever. It's just, it needs to happen. Yeah, no, now's the time, boys. Here we go. Hopefully that'll happen. All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in as always. Uh, remember, if you haven't already joined us, please find us on Facebook, on X Twitter. We're at Cast Kraken. We're also on Instagram. Uh, this podcast is available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and our very own website, www.seattlecrackandfancast.com, where you can also uh, find uh, links to our T-shirts, uh, for our Crack and Fancast T-shirts, our Joey, Joey, Joey shirts, among others. So uh, check that out. We're very grateful to all our supporters on Patreon. Thanks for all of you doing that. And find uh, If you want to contribute to this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash crackandfancast. Very grateful for all the support. We're very grateful to our wonderful producer, Jay Middleton. Cheers to him, and uh, thanks, Jim, as always, for joining me. Hopefully we'll have uh, Nathan Gunderson back next week. Uh, I'm Chris Porter. Thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, we say, go... Go... Crackin'. Crackin'.